contains the garden. So it has this beautifully manicured garden with greenhouse. She grows stuff. She does jam all the time. You know, it's stunningly beautiful. And then we've got a fence the other side of the, the kind of the shared walkway. And then outside is just carnage. You know, every now and then we just kind of get through with the, you know, I've got a, a quite a powerful uh, strimmer. So we just sort of like strip it all back down, level it all out, and then come back in another few months' time to try again when it's kind of reached knee, knee height. <laughs> I, I used to not really bother much with garden tending at all. But uh, then I kept getting big dogs, and the dogs mm. basically leave minefields everywhere. <laughs> and like, you don't want to be the house that stinks of dog dog poo, and uh, you don't want to be stepping in it. So you got to clean it all up. You got to mow the grass down. Ah, uh, it, it's just ah, oh, it's just gross. It's a lesson that you learn very quick. <laughs> I mean, that's what, surely that's what concrete was invented for. Yeah, but that's also ugly. Like, <laughs> Paint it green, it's fine. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I mean, what's it? Well, you can get AstroTurf, that'll be fine. It'll yeah. just burn your feet in the summer, but you don't. <laughs> it's fine. Just lose a few layers of skin. We, we've had the. Um, yeah. it, we, we did a, a little patch of the of that fake grass stuff, that, the decent stuff that actually, you know, looks reasonable. But then realizing that. A lot of other people that have that then start to vacuum that instead of, you know, it's kind of part of the, <laughs> the routine. And you think, I'm not going to be one of those people. You know, it's, I'm not mowing the lawn, so I'm not going to vacuum the plastic grass. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a bit quicker than, than mowing the lawn, though, right? Maybe. Yeah, I but I mean, there's surely there's well, better things it, to do with your time. It's got to be a, it's got to be a good thing to see if you just look out your window and see your neighbour just vacuuming. Their entire lawn. <laughs> just get just get a leaf blower. Yeah, exactly. Blow the stuff at one to one side. Blow it to whichever neighbour you like least. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely one way to do it. Yeah, I just but my garden is a is is wilded, shall we say? It's just, we, the number of times we've tried to get on top of it, it's just uh, at the moment it's a collection of brambles, nettles, wildflowers, and there are there's there's a couple of pallets in there somewhere as well, I think. And, and the <laughs> roof box. natural flora and fauna for a garden. Yeah. yeah, and the roof box for the car. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. But the, yeah, I think... the, we get some wicked brambles down here. Mm. That, the ones that come in our, our next door neighbor we've got we've got a compost heap and a kind of a log store and you can't get to either because a there's some fence panels in the way which i haven't yet installed <laughs> and b the, the fence panels are now kind of covered semi-covered with brambles mm. yeah there's, there's just thick i mean some of these bramble stalks are like 20 feet long yeah, they're just they're just like and oh, some of them are, are these the kind of like these are the kind of like grip onto you and just yeah take oh, you they're down. Just, just yeah you they're, 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 yeah <laughs> I, I think so yeah I, I wouldn't wouldn't want to go anywhere near it like like you throw something in there it just it just belongs to nature now it's yeah it's gone 
yeah, it's like it's like the uh, if you kind of see some of the more gruesome versions of uh, like Sleeping Beauty, where you've got the kind of sort of the castle surrounded by thorns yeah. and, and the like. Yeah, and the kind of yeah, was it Sleeping Beauty where the prince gets blinded? Uh, or was that one of the other grim stories? I don't and, remember that one. Yeah, it's what if if you read the kind of the the proper the version proper, rather, as opposed to the yeah. yeah if, as opposed to the kind of sort of Disneyfied versions. They're I, I, really I, only, I only know the Disney version, but I've, I've heard, uh, yeah, it's something that I kind of want to read if I ever get around to actually reading anything at all. Mm. Yeah, we've got the big, the big massive book of the Brothers Grimm stories. I, I think I've opened it once or twice and then just can't, oh, that's too many words. I mean, I've, I, I used to read a lot when I was younger. Uh, like I really just kind of sat in the school library and really enjoyed it then, but oh, I don't know. It just it's just really hard. If a book doesn't get me in like the first page or two, that's just yeah. no. I I just don't have time for this anymore. I could be doing literally anything else or just get the synopsis on Wikipedia. Yeah, but I mean, I, for me. obviously, I'm very much a reader, but it's one of those Probably. that's um, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, uh, very much the same. Uh, even with audiobooks as well, you know, you get the wrong, the wrong narrator or something, and it's just you know. No, I'll catch that. You know, I'll, like you say, read the synopsis on Wikipedia or something, or you know, just catch it another time and knock it down the list. And... I, I I wonder. My, my my wife is currently reading a book called Stolen Focus, which is kind of all about how kind of yeah the, the internet and other stuff is just kind of sort of stealing. Our ability mm. to focus and and the TikTok generation kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, the effect that can have on things like learning and and sort of education and and, and the like. And once she's finished it, I'm going to probably have try and have a read of it. And I think I think there's something to it. I think mm. I sometimes do kind of think I just want to switch off all the social medias uh, and stop watching YouTube and the like because i know it does take up some of the time but 98 percent of my friends are all through social media and the like and yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, and i miss uh... i miss reading books in the way i used to you know when i was when i was a kid i'd read four or five books a week yeah normal size books yeah lord of the rings was one week on itself um but yeah, so yeah, I would read a, yeah, a thousand a thousand page of, of novels per week, mm. as well as doing kind of homework and watching TV and and, and all that stuff. But yeah, pre-internet. Yeah, it's, now, so you, I, it's reduced number of channels, reduced number of media, and now yeah. you can get an, an immediate hit of dopamine whenever the hell you want from yeah, and whatever source tickles of most. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot mm. of it. But I I kind of misread. I, mean, I used to. I love reading books. I, st I still do, but well, I know I, I still do. My to be read pile by the side of my bed is huge, and the number of books that I start but don't get round to finishing is. But the thing is, though, Andy, is you're you can't accelerate your reading pace quicker than what you read at. 
you can click the toggle on a YouTube video, or you can click next on an image very easily, very quickly. True. You can't force um, your brain to read and consume quicker. I'm yeah, so but I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a quick. I'm a quick read. I used to. I used to be even quicker, but I've slowed down a little yeah. bit. I mean, yeah, that's a super quick read. I mean, a a, a low brain novel. Yeah, one that's yeah easy words and not too many. yeah low reading age novel. Mm. Um, yeah, I could I could knock out in yeah 150 300 pages, knock out in three hours. So when um, when I do read on the rare occasion, it's usually it's not not any kind of uh, fiction. It, it's just. Like I'll read through articles and things, but again, that's all online, and I can kind of get that a lot easier. But like yourself, Andy, like I was a quick reader when I did read, and even now, it's—I don't know if I don't take in the whole things or not, but I can just kind of like scan portions and just kind of take it in in chunks. Get the gist, yeah. And I mean that—that's kind of how I've always read, even when I was younger. I don't feel like I miss anything when I do it but yeah it's I feel like I could also do that if I did get back into books again mm. yeah you like practice isn't it I, mean, I think I I suspect I think if I just stopped do, watching YouTube which I don't want to do because there's a lot of really good stuff on YouTube and I've got, I've got a massive backlist um, just disable your one tab you'll be fine <laughs> yeah I thought I Probably what I need to do is, is either delete my one tab um, <laughs> or the YouTube on my one tab uh, and then kind of just limit myself to kind of you know, one hour per day max or, or something uh, and not storing. I need one tab that won't record any YouTube. That, that That's kind of maybe what, what I need. What you need is a personal assistant to go through your one tab and delete <laughs> stuff for you. <laughs> without you knowing <laughs> yeah don't suggest that to my wife yeah um <laughs> yeah it, i mean it's yeah i think i think we choose don't we we we, we have more choice now and i think we yeah. we end up choosing kind of what input we take and you're right FOMO is a big thing dopamine hit, the dopamine hit of watching I think, um, videos i think a lot of it as well is I mean, a lot of YouTube stuff can, it doesn't require your full attention either. Mm, I'll yeah. often have uh, just some building video. Like I got, I got into woodworking a bit in a big way about a year ago, just because the YouTube algorithm decided I started needing to watch woodworking in like when I'm doing something else, but it's just videos I'll have on while I'm doing work or while I'm just like pottering around the house or anything. I'll still like, association I'll, to me and Andy, I think. <laughs> it might yeah. be that, yeah. Um, so I've I've learned a ton about wood like a lot of this stuff I don't even notice I've learned until I come mm. across a thing where it comes in handy. It's like I swear I've seen that used like I uh what is the thing where you can like bend plywood like curving or something, isn't it? Curves yeah. curve cutting. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't even realise I knew what that was until the other day when I needed to do it. It's like I just cut this like several times. Now I got round <laughs> plywood. Like it's like the Matrix, yeah. man. Just learning by osmosis. <laughs> I think I think that kind of thing also plays a lot into uh, 
or just a lot of people preferring kind of digital instant media over well, reading well you, you can't really do something at the same time as reading that shakes all of your focus yeah well yes uh, well, i think it depends what did i mean i've seen about this the other day when i when i was a kid i would literally be reading a book whilst the tv was on whilst also i, I took to kind of sitting in the lotus position for ages so i'd be kind of doing yoga while watching tv whilst also reading a book and he Maybe says he's not neurodivergent really no. that's yeah i, 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 don't, yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> I, I, was taking, I was taking the lot in yeah I, I, but then, but then was I take, was I taking enough? I mean, I certainly can remember some of those books, and I enjoyed the books. And sometimes I'd have to go back and read a bit or stop because there was something particularly interesting happening on the TV. Um, but just to, I mean, just I used to be able to take in huge amounts of. I, I still can. I, the recall sometimes is a bit harder. And there's certain <laughs> things that I don't, there's certain things I'm no good at, like pop culture references. I can't remember pop culture references and it's, i've got no uh, interest in who's director directed which films or anything like that or it's we'll, sit down, we'll get we'll get all the future armor into your brain and then that will push everything else out yeah it's oh. navigation and geography for me um i couldn't point to anywhere on a map <laughs> and like if that nav hadn't been invented I'd probably have gotten lost somewhere in Mexico by now. <laughs> I'll try to aim for India. I, I've genuinely ended up headed towards Wales when uh, trying to go from, uh, where is it, uh, Bournemouth to Nottingham before. <laughs> it's, it's almost a straight shot between the two, and I still got <laughs> that wrong. At some point, you were driving in a straight line north and then you just went eh, i'm gonna turn left it's just my wife just pointed to a sign it's like that's not that's not right mike like what are we doing it's like, no i'm all right we're all right it's like go to wales man like you don't <laughs> live there oh, well it's a nice place to visit i mean there's some great people there yeah and some lovely views yeah but it's not Nottingham, and it's the different side of the country but yeah, we we hadn't really had plans on where to sleep that night in uh, in Wales, so it would have been interesting. Just uh, <laughs> turn like, up at someone's uh, house, knock on the door, and say, "This isn't where I live." Can I sleep there tonight? I mean, this is Nottingham, right? I mean, I don't recognise this area, but there's trees nearby. It's got to be Sherwood Forest, right? This is number four. I live at number four. Let me in. There are some castles. You got castle in Nottingham. I mean, it's an easy mistake to make. Well, it's basically Nottingham, like. Yeah. No one can say otherwise. Everyone's everyone's got their blind spots in uh, in what they know. Mine is absolutely where where I am at any point. <laughs> so you know how fast you're going. That's the main thing. Uh, most, of the, <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, I'm pretty sure the little number on my car matches the number on the on the sign. <laughs> I'm glad you chuckled at that, Andy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for me, navigation is it's, I'm, I'm navigably strong. I'm generally, knowing where things are, where I am, I'm generally really good at. But as I said, you know, the random facts about pop culture just straight over yeah. the top of my head. 
and I just can't remember stuff like that either. There's certain stuff. There's certain things I can. Re I, to be honest, I'm hopeless in exams. I can mm. tell you which book it is. Stuff something. Yeah, I can look at the question and go, right. I know which book. I know which page in my folder and 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 all that. Which, and which shelf? How many books? And I can process. It. I can process the information. Uh, yeah. If I if it was open book exam, never had to do an open book exam. I'd love to. Um, the, if you, if I have an open book exam, uh, yeah, I can find information really quickly and I can process that information really well once it's in front of me. But sometimes kind of going, uh, yeah, I know it's something to do with uh, Thingy Bob, what's it? But I can't quite remember exactly. Give me an open book exam, I'd be fine with that. I, I often struggle with the, um, if, there's, if there's two options, I can generally figure a justification for both so you know that you know like the the clock's changing you know the spring forward fall back yeah or spring back fall forward you know that either would work one of them's correct and I, I've, yeah when there's like two two options i, I often struggle between the two trying to remember I, remember yeah. one of them and discount the other and Did then both the of them are stuck in my head calculating a gradient on a graph there's one about kind of rise and run which supposedly something to do with stairs and the number of times over the years when i was teaching i'd be doing gradient in sort of yeah, physics and and some people go oh it's rise of a run or run of a rise I, I don't know which way around it is and i'd be like i cool. no clue what you're talking about <laughs> yeah. can't remember stuff like that yeah yeah i struggle with some of those yeah that's why we've got google for now yeah. You, just, you just carry a phone who knows everything for you. Well, I think there's an Einstein quote, wasn't it? It's, why, why remember something when you can write it down? I mean, that, that's the whole point of written language anyway, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> basically how we got to where we are. We didn't all just remember how everything works. Yeah. And we all know that your computer slows down the more stuff you store on it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a fair comparison. Is that so that's the basis of uh oh what's it called there's a, a productivity system called getting things done and for the life of me i can't remember the name of the guy who invented it but his general kind of principle is get stuff out of your brain mm. get it written down yeah making sort of lists and having priority lists and, and things like that and it it's there i don't like all of the system but actually it's a kind of basic principle of if you're trying to do something or if you're working on something the more of it you can get written down uh and the idea of uh what is sometimes called a spark file you know where you kind of keep information and you just sort of slot it away for future reference it's a quite powerful but I've got, I've got to look at who did it now. Um, David Allen with two mm. L's on the L and an E. Uh, it's quite a, uh, it's a, it's a good system. Yeah, he's, yeah, some of it is a little bit awkward. It can work better for some people than others. Yeah, you have comments like uh, Boulder with. You have two sets of folders, one with actually more, but, but two basic sets of folders. So you have like a, a dated folder one to 31. And then you have 
a folder with all the months of the year and you can kind of sort of slot things in and then you have like master lists and also your spark file and once you've got this kind of organization system down you just get everything out of your brain everything into kind of the right place and then just it's everything becomes easier apparently i think <laughs> if i did that i just forget these folders exist like i'll yeah. uh i'll make the notes i'll put the things in there and i'll be like well job done don't need to look at yep. these anymore very much with you on that I, i've been uh over time trying various productivity systems that have been very similar idea of get it all out of my brain into a thing and then i can refer back to it and then i forget all about those once i've put a few in and then go oh new productivity system i'll try this thing where i put <laughs> all of the ideas in so i've got about probably 10 different things that i've got various bits of stuff in over the last 15 20 years the I latest mean, I... one is obsidian <laughs> say like like self i've tried a few different things like i've got a whiteboard in my office i've got another one on the fridge um mm -hmm. i've got little post-it notes everywhere um problem is like uh i think it's like a weird adhd quirk as well eventually they just become invisible to you they just um, yeah. blend into the background yeah, um sure. the, the best approach i found for myself is on the home screen of my phone i have a little sticky notes thing Every time yep. my phone opens, it's just there. I can't ignore it because it's right in my face. Like sometimes it'll still be invisible, but not yeah, nearly. Mine, mine is exactly that. I've got a to-do list right on the right on the home screen, and then now all of the things on that to-do list have just become part of my phone screen. Yeah, that still happens as well. <laughs> it's not as much as with like the whiteboards and the sticky notes. I'll still occasionally like swipe through and realize like. I should have done that like yesterday <laughs> but it's it's better than uh, anything else i've tried so far mm. yeah I, over, I i would overfill something like that i have done i i tend to i tend to use just use paper most of the time so i have kind of lists uh and sometimes they end up getting lost and sometimes they end up getting a, a pile of lists and then you need a list of lists but generally i will the kind of my my day-to-day -day is controlled by just a piece of scrap paper to be honest that i keep up if i print something off and it doesn't print quite right I, rather than just throwing it away i just i just tuck it into a i've got a pile of scrap paper probably three or four centimeters thick and i'll just grab one of those and just kind of right either i might do something just for today and just scribble on right and it, then it just sits on my keyboard or next to my keyboard mm. or i'll do one for kind of maybe five days or seven days and just write on okay so i know right okay so sunday makers waffle post in the morning makers waffle in the evening monday makers waffle um kind of sort that out in the morning uh tuesday morning men's shed wednesday morning and tuesday evening uh tesco order wednesday morning tesco delivery so the kind of things that actually just fit in every week they're the same every week they kind of go on but then i'll put lists of things like added the things like you know home insurance or car tax or yeah fix the toilet seat or you know repair a for, for me they they all have to go into google calendar with reminders and then when when the the magic rectangle shouts at me and says do this thing now oh right can i do it now 
no, I can't do it right now. Change the reminder. That's like um, the only way I can get shit done. I mean, the uh, thing I've done a few times is it was a lot easier when everything was like paper mail, but now everything's paperless. So mm. I'll sometimes mm. just print something out and put it on top of another thing that I know I'd end up at later. <laughs> like I'll put it on my work laptop yeah. and it'll just be there in the way of me doing work. I have to get it done now. Or I'll just completely blank it, move it to the side anyway. But it's a, it's it's an extra obstacle to get through to try and get this thing done. Yeah, I, use alarms I, uh, I, I use alarms on my phone rather than sort of thing. So if I've got a, particularly if I'm doing something for somebody else. So, mm. for example, uh, needed to get a forty-two millimeter forcing a bit for the men's shed. Uh, for cutting holes in wood for putting little inserts for tea lights and it's like okay well so it goes in order to remember that if i just try and remember it that, that, that that's gone so it went onto my phone straight away as a alarm for a certain time uh like three o'clock that, that afternoon when i knew i'd be at home and yeah then it's kind of thing and it, it might not necessarily get done then it might just get it might get moved to another time or it might get written down on a list but i don't have the list because the list sits on my keyboard when i'm at the mention yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was talking with um my wife today about that kind of thing of uh you know op options for for remembering specific things um like i've got the loop earbuds and i want to remember to use them more often so i forget that i've got them and i wanted to make a thing that was you know watch strap type thing but for the other wrist that wouldn't interfere with you know mouse usage and working but would have the loops there ready in a similar kind of fashion to having the, the watch and she's like why don't you just Put them in your pocket or in your coat as a permanent place for them and then write on your hand loops or put a, a bracelet on that says loops you know to remind you if you've got the bracelet on you haven't got your loops with you take the bracelet off put the loops in the, you know that kind of that's that's a much more sensible thing to do and it's you know understanding me from an outside perspective it's uh well it's just overthinking something that really, it should just be a simple solution yeah or or buy another pair of loops or buy buy two more pairs of loops and stick them in yeah. places that i generally have you know if i've always got them in my pocket or something like that there's there's no excuse for it but... that's kind of how i've solved the solution to always uh losing pens like it's not loose <laughs> but i buy bought... all of them well, I, I bought like a bulk pack of 200 about a year ago. And my thinking is that many pens, they'll, there's always going to be one somewhere nearby. Like I should just be able to look. <laughs> some, And it did work until recently. I've really been running out again. I need to buy another 200 pens. <laughs> I love really? those kind of like productivity hacks of leaning into your privilege. You know, it's that kind of acknowledgement that, you know, you're doing all right. You've got a decent job to be able to to 
do that kind of thing to account for your own brain doing brain silly things. You know, I used to get really frustrated with um, pairing socks, trying to match because I bought the same socks, but over time. So I'd buy like 10 pairs and then however many months later, I'd go back and buy like another 10 pairs. So I, I had this kind of array of socks that were all the same type of sock, but at various states of use. So then you're trying to pair them up and match equally faded or equally, you know, kind of worn socks. And I got to a point a couple of years ago, I just went, sod this, bin because there were loads that were holes or worn out or whatever. I bought a, a um, it was a crate of 100 socks, all identical from someone on eBay. It cost me about 40 quid. So they're not great socks. They're just in bulk, 100 pairs, and that was it. I mean, I mean to me, it's at some point it's like how much is your time worth to you like i can spend exactly 20 minutes looking for a pen or i can spend well like 20 quid on a massive bundle of them just spray them around the house and they'll always <laughs> just be there yep <laughs> i did it did the same actually uh yesterday with uh because I'd, I'd had the same thing for um just box standard 13 amp plugs for the amount of times i've had uh you know you, you, when you get a um a bit of electronics and you get the uh the, the standard british kettle league and then you'll get yeah. the one with the shuko plug on the end um you know cut the shuko off and then keep the cable because you know at some point you're going to run out so then i bought a bag of just 13 amp plugs and put a few of them in a load of places where i might need to put a plug on i did exactly that same thing yesterday of like, like needed a plug and i i knew there was one that had been in my eye line from like the other day so i knew i could wander to where i knew the last one was grab that plug no idea where the other five or six are around the house so i'll buy some more <laughs> but i knew where one was i mean you'll know where the others are i mean you'll know what at least one is at some random point and yeah. uh, you, you'd be able to just kind of remember, like, I know I saw one. Maybe <laughs> we'll see it. in the kitchen. I, I, if, I, if I find two, I'll just leave one where it is and then move one back to that other place that I know a plug lived. <laughs> yeah. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've done too many things like that. I mean, I, mean, I say that, yeah. I mean, I've got but the, like my notebooks, my these orange notebooks i've got another pack in the cupboard just so i've got i've always got plenty of notebooks and pens i mean i've always there there are hundreds of pens in this house <laughs> just they always, always have been but that's kind of more the fact that i don't like getting rid of pens um you know just can't just can't clear just can't declutter them uh yeah especially if it's a nice pen hmm. i mean i hate to think i mean i've I hate to think how many pens are behind me right now. Yeah, it's it's certainly. Don't know right. if it would be the triple figures, but it would certainly be kind of mid double High doubles. Figures. Yeah, <laughs> I I could guarantee that uh, between like the office, bet the walk between my office and my workshop, there's probably just a trail of pens like buried in the mud, <laughs> scattered in the grass. 
It's kind of wedged under the door, maybe. Yeah, you think you were mowing grass. Maybe they're just old pens. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've, grow, I've thrown enough pens out there. There's going to be a mutation. I'm going to grow a pen tree. <laughs> be useful. Yeah. It's still fruit all at once, and then you've got to, you know, kind of use them all up before the ink dries out. And you think like I pen, could, pen jam? You think I can make a business out of this to uh, just selling these naturally grown organic pens? But I'll pick them and I'll lose them immediately. They're lost. <laughs> naturally grown organic things that you could sell. Someone sent me a, a thing earlier that was uh, someone's pace of life was so chilled that when they needed to put a new handle on a tool, they would put the tool head on a branch and then wait for it to grow the handle. What? So like, they had like axe heads and um, pick heads and things as well. And they just had various trees growing around their property and then would just place the tool head on the branch and then wait for it to grow. I think so I saw that scene. Around the house. Pretty sure I saw that scene in Avengers with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> Pop culture reference, Andy. You got it. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, there's, there's a couple of more right with. I couldn't tell you who directed the Avengers. Any of them? Uh, was no, that Whedon? Was it just Whedon? I think he did Possibly something not. Marvel. No, no idea. idea. Absolutely no idea. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you the director of probably any films. In fairness, I couldn't tell you which of the Avengers films that was in either. Uh, that I could tell you. It's um, actually the, no, yeah, it's part one of Endgame. Is, it, uh, is that Infinity? Yeah, War? Infinity. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Infinity War, Infinity War. The first part. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, it's, I think I mean, with my my youngest and I are big Doctor Who fans. Yeah, we uh, a few years ago we watched the we watched after they after my kids got introduced to Doctor Who with the I can't even remember what series it was, but with Jodie Whittaker, I think that was the kind of first first time they watched any Doctor Who. Fairly quickly after that started, it was like particularly with my youngest, we ended up watching. All of the ones that were available so that was all the new kind of doctor who that was on uh iplayer mm. and then it's like can we get can we get uh britbox so we can watch all the original doctor who's that are available so, so over the course of i think two years we watched every single available episode of doctor who and yeah she can kind of yeah, she can list off all these kind of particular names of episodes and, and stuff like that. And I'm just like, no. And she'll go, oh, that was one that was one that uh, Stephen Moffat wrote all. That was the one that, you know, Russell T. Davis was sort of showrunner on. And I'm like, no. no my, my wife's able to do that, that stuff. I'm just like, oh, which was the episode where he did the thing? Because that was kind of funny. <laughs> It's like, no, that was written by Moffat. We don't like Moffat. All right, all right. What about this other one? It's like, no, that was also Moffat. 
Uh, Moffat's really bad at sticking to the rules of the Who universe. Yeah. Would that be the Who universe? I think yeah. it is the Who universe. I think it is. <laughs> Got to be. But it's, it's, it's as bad as Chibnall. But yeah, that, that, that could be a, quite a long discussion. Yeah, but Russell T. Davis. Yeah, we like we, we like Russell T. Davis in this house, although he's a bit of a tease, particularly what's happening <laughs> at the moment with the, the the three specials that are coming out. Who I've knows not... when? We know one of them's in we know one of them's gonna be in November. We don't know when the rest are. I don't think I've seen Doctor Who since um uh, who's the who's the older guy who uh Capaldi? That's the one, yeah. Uh, I think a few early episodes of him. I uh, haven't really seen much since then. I'm not sure why, because I kind of liked him as the Doctor, but I think I just got bored of TV for a while. I I I, I didn't like Capaldi initially. Really didn't. Um, I, I almost sort of stopped watching, but I I kind of stuck it out, but partly because I'm a bit of a completionist. Um, and yeah, partly because my, my youngest was watching it and it's like, well, she's watching it. I'm going to watch it, etc. But I did, he grew on me. He really did grow on me. I, I do like it. I think, I think Tennant is still, I mean, I, I grew up with Tom Baker as my doctor, um, sort of growing up as a kid, hiding behind the sofa, chasing the Daleks and, and the like, but, and I didn't particularly like the ones that followed after Davison and, and the other two like Colin Baker and the other one but the um yeah I I, I really liked Tennant uh Matt Smith I didn't like initially either but again he grew on me a lot um Capaldi I really didn't like initially but again he grew on me so yeah I'm looking forward, yeah, looking forward to the new this trailer came out yesterday uh, for the yesterday, yesterday or the day before for the new uh, new new release. I wouldn't say new season because there's only going to be three episodes initially, and uh, it looks like full of action. So that will be good. I mean, you've got to feel a bit bad for Eccleston sometimes, though, because like he did start the kind of the more modern Doctor Who stuff, but I don't think he's very often said to be like a favorite or even kind of in the top five, even, even if there are a top five. But yeah, so he, always... only did one, he only did one season, which probably didn't help. Yeah, There's that too. So maybe but, he's yeah, done a bit more. It's always Tennant who uh, wins it, and fair enough. He was he was, he was was really fun as, as the Doctor. Mm. Um. So I did like Matt Smith as well. Um, I don't think there's any that I really disliked. I haven't seen much of uh, Jodie Whittaker, is it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen much of hers yet. But, you know, the little that I have seen also seems pretty fun. Yeah, I think I mean, she, was a, she was a fun doctor. I mean, there was, there was some controversy over kind of too much... Uh, kind of political, not correctness, but kind of you know, political writing within it. Uh, so there's a bit of that. There's some odd bit. There's some odd stuff happening with it. It kind of you know, almost changing the entire uh, 
Who universe, which kind of a lot of people didn't like, and some of it didn't quite make sense, and yeah, just like it was like it was like that kind of sort of idea when somebody kind of does something and you kind of go, "What have you done? You just made a mess of it." And some of it just feels a bit like that, um, just because there was some major major ideas introduced that completely change how you know the whole thing works uh so I mean, to, to be that, fair that always happens doesn't it over over things that run for a long time is everyone's kind of head canon of that particular reality gets tweaked or changed or yeah but sometimes it's little things but yeah there was it was major it was major with with that yeah, it's kind they of like... paint the outside of the TARDIS red, did they? <laughs> uh, oh my god, they did, box. didn't they? <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But it, there was no, it was just kind of the, yeah, who is the Doctor and or what is the Doctor? There was all kind of sort of stuff about that. Yeah, mm. at one point, I think, yeah, a huge portion of the universe just disappeared. <laughs> Thanos, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but, but yeah, but, but more than Thanos, it was because it was more than half. Yeah, at one point it was just like, yeah, the, there was Earth left and something else. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was down to like, yeah, 98% of the universe had disappeared. And it was just like, yeah, uh, I mean, in, I mean. I think uh, there was a part that really bothered me in the Matt Smith stuff, and it was like they always like to spout off these rules, like a uh, Time Lord can't go in their own time stream, or you know they can't interact with themselves or anything like that. And then, and then they, they just, wrote a yes. they just completely ignore it. Like the the whole Pandorica box thing is just basically inside, like was it Amy inside her own time stream? The doctor goes and has chats with himself somewhere else. Does a big team up with something else as well. And it's just, I really hate when they like make these really hard rules and then just completely ignore them. The next episode, it makes no sense. I know it's all fiction and it's it's just dumb as hell anyway. But you know, make rules, stick to them. Yeah, I I feel your pain, even though I, I'm. I don't watch any Doctor Who stuff at all. I, I very much feel that pain from the other stuff that I do watch. It's difficult, though. I suppose it's difficult as kind of if you're, you're inventing universes and everything else. And, kind and of... getting other people to write sections for it as well. It's... well yeah. I, mean, I mean, I absolutely get why it happens, but it's still just always going to be a pet peeve of mine. Of, like you just watch something it's like you said you couldn't do that last time why why are you doing it you're just in you're just ignoring it you're just making stuff up now it's, it's like you might as well just call this fiction <laughs> yep <laughs> but then i start feeling like the uh feeling like i'm going to join the groups of people who got mad when the Klingons changed foreheads, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel that one. 
It's like it's like there's no there's no point getting mad at it. They don't they're not real. They're just they're just angry space guys. Which means they're not real. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I I shouldn't have told you that. I spoke I spoke too soon. The Vulcans are still real though, right? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> just gotta wait for Zephyr and Cochrane now. Oh, he'll Get be the warp engine going. I think he was supposed to have been born like twenty years ago. If we go by <laughs> original timelines, <laughs> I think I think we were supposed to have the eugenics war by like in ninety nine. Uh, it should have been started by now. Yeah. Yeah, man, really got this timeline messed up. <laughs> that that is one of the uh, all the, the the new track stuff, and. Uh, People sort of, you know, talking about like, uh, you know, strange new worlds. The, the the ship's massive compared to, you know, the original series and Kirk's Enterprise. And why did Kirk have this little tiny bunk that was basically the size of this office? And Pike's got this massive studio flat, basically in the, you know, one wing of the Enterprise kind of thing. Uh, you know, and the technology is so much better. In modern tech that was set uh, in modern track that set earlier, and then yeah, but the amount of stuff that was later track that messed around with the timelines that's that's why that's happened. There's always I mean, someone always retcons it somehow. Funnily yeah. enough, uh, there is I don't know if either of you have watched Strange New Worlds or yeah, what I plan to. Yeah. I mean, there is like a specific moment in the latest season that does kind of explain a lot of it. Yep. And it's just, just straight up events will always happen, but maybe delayed a little bit. So it, it can totally explain why stuff looks a bit different, but still kind of follows the same general storyline. I can get on with that. That's, that works for me. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about like future space socialism. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go with it. That's that's what's keeping me on track a lot of the time avoid news and then just look at star trek future you know as a as a, a bit of, a bit of good to aim for although we did watch we watched um demolition man recently um me and my wife that was uh that was a really really you know kind of it's always been a, a fun film but just that realization of this could so easily happen it's great having a kind of a, an audience for this isn't it Eric's. Oh, I've been. Uh, I've been corrected. Place. Yeah, Cochrane was born in 2030. The first war. Where did he get the Dalithium from for the for his first? Would it, I think it was? Um, I don't know some kind of just native radioactive stuff. I don't think he used Dalithium <laughs> in the first one. I'm trying to remember First Contact now. It's been so long since I've seen it. Yeah, same. I'm pretty sure he did use an old nuclear warhead or just like a nuclear <laughs> shell to actually make it, though. It sounds about right, yeah. It's been a while since I saw it, too. I mean, I mean, as good as future space socialism does look, you got to remember there were like at least two massive global wars before then. I, as Q told us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was betting Elon Musk will start one. Um. <laughs> oh, shit, I forget he exists. <laughs> I like to pretend he's uh, just like a, a bad dream or like just a bug on the internet. 
he doesn't I'm actually the end, the end credits to come up and find out who's actually playing him actually yeah, eric's coming in again the uh what's the yeah. new reactor from a missile warhead being repurposed okay beautiful thank you sir yeah but i mean it, it, it's fiction i mean this thing with fiction it's like i mean i so I'm now, but I, I, certainly as a kid, I was a big James Bond fan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd read all of Fleming's books probably by the time I was 12 or 13, um, which is possibly not a great thing, uh, <laughs> considering the content of some of them. Uh, mm. But yeah, if you look at the films and how, how each, I mean, obviously you've got the, the elements of each Bond portrayed by a different actor. Had different characteristics mm-hmm. you've got the whole sort of timeline of bond yeah from yeah back in the essentially the 1960s through to yeah 2020s and yeah the technology that's changed with those uh, it's like yeah it lasts so long and the whole kind of yeah if you were working for an organization such as mi6 and you know the villains all know your name you're probably not very good at your job. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's two fantastic headcanons for me with Bond. Uh, one is that the um, that it's never the same. You know, it's never James Bond all the way through. That each one is a completely different person that is given yeah, the, it's, you know, it's a the designation yeah. James Bond. Yeah. But the other headcanon is that uh, Sean Connery's character in um, the film The Rock was actually his version of Bond, uh, who was caught and imprisoned and then had to escape from The Rock. Um, I could I could see that 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 would work. Yeah, it, and it really does when you when you sort of dig into it. It's even the story of it in in that film talking about him being. You know, sort of British Secret Service or Special Services, or you know things like that. It's there's a lot of it that just that straight up just works. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, there's a couple of issues there with kind of yeah. Bond was a commander in the navy before he was moved into yeah. military service. If you go back to Fleming's original canon, and yeah, the character in The Rock was described as being XSAS. Hmm. Uh, which it'd probably been an SBS then, in that sense. I mean, it yeah, would it make sense. It also certainly in those uh, days, certainly in those days, it would have been SBS. But then, of course, the Americans always get SBS and S. Yeah, the SBS don't exist according to. to well, yeah, they've only heard of SAS. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which annoys the hell out of the SBS guys. <laughs> but they also kind of then go. Particularly when things go wrong, yeah, it's just like, yeah, that would go, yeah, SES, yeah, they're quite happy to kind of just fall into the background behind them sometimes, uh, <laughs> except when the SAS take credit for kind of, yeah, SBS successes, shall we say, yeah, or when people are claiming that the SAS are tougher than the SBS. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, would, kind of... it would sound to reason they'd also, uh, kind of fudge his details a little bit officially given uh he's supposed yeah. to be a secret agent this is true like they, they, they could have just changed it to like he just worked at starbucks and committed treason 
<laughs> well, I think it was Universal Exports, wasn't it? Yeah. There are some pop culture I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I couldn't tell you who directed any of the films, except maybe Broccoli. But I couldn't tell you which ones. Yeah, God knows. No, I, I, I fall flat on all that stuff as well. Yeah. I can I can usually tell you who the characters are or what random things they said, which annoys the hell out of one of my colleagues who can tell you every goal from every footballer from every match from the 80s, 90s and early 2000s, but gets baffled at me being able to recall a character and a bit of conversation that was had on a thing I saw two days ago. <laughs> or two okay, days ago. I could tell you that a football is round. That's yep. it. That's that's my knowledge of sport. <laughs> I, I know the general principles of football. For our American friends, soccer. Um, yeah, yeah. I know the general. I know the general principles of it. Yeah, ball is supposed to round. Ball is supposed to go into the opposition's net, which is defended by one person. It's, it's a rectangle. Strange to a rectangle. Yeah, yeah. This perpendicular to the to the playing field, not one of the circularly hangy up ones. <laughs> yeah, the, cir the circular hangy up ones is the official term. I've seen it in the rule book. <laughs> <laughs> just call it circular hangy up ball. Yeah, I, I, I think they should. I think they should bring back kind of some of the original football. And I think there are some places where they still do this, where it's like, it's like one town versus another, and there's kind of the pitch is like fifteen of yeah five miles long, and it's not really a pitch. It's more like just the road and land between the two villages, and it's like yeah, injuries are going to happen. Yeah, the rules are pretty much non-existent. Wait, was this just a, a fight between two neighbouring towns that just happened with to have... With football, yeah. I think, I think that to be a, yeah. around some kids playing with the ball at the same time. I mean, this honestly just sounds like the uh, after-school kids on the field outside kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> we, used to, we, used to, we used to... Occasionally, when I was in uh, what would be kind of second or third year of secondary school so kind of year eight or nine to use kind yeah. of british parts uh we used to occasionally kind of if it was too wet to do anything else the p teachers would kind of get the we'd go into the gym and all the kind of the wall bar type stuff which were normally kind of pinned against the wall would be moved opened out because they kind of they're on giant hinges so they can move out so they'd have all those moved and locked into place and they just cover the floor in all the available sort of mats from the thin ones to sort of some of the sort of really thick ones and they i think they just put a thick one at each end and then the rest would be kind of everything else and they they throw in a couple of you know they'd have a couple of the gymnastic horses um as well and basically we'd play this game that they called murder ball yeah, and I'm familiar the with only the only dance. rule the, the, the only rules was something. Well, there were kind of rules like you weren't supposed to kind of hit each other or anything like that. And I think you weren't allowed to kick the ball 
think that was the only kind of sort of, and we'd play it with like, uh, I think generally like a softer ball rather than a rather than a basketball or I can't remember the nature of the ball now, but it seems oh, to like the uh, kind of dense play. foam kind of thing. Yeah, like a, the sort of thing you play like dodgeball with. Yeah. Um, and the basic, basic principle was just kind of like, yeah, just get the ball in, onto the other team's mat. Uh, yeah, there was no kind of, you wouldn't have tabards on or anything like that. So you couldn't, didn't know who was on whose team, really. Other than you had the kind of traditional, everyone line up, the two the two best sports people would be the captains of the two teams, and then they'd spend time going, right, I'll have him, and I'll have him, and I'll have him, and I'll have him. Yeah, because it was always boys and girls were separate sort of games in those days, um, as they mostly are now anyway, I think. But, yeah, they'd be like, you'd be saying, I'd be like, yeah, I was always last or last but one. <laughs> And it was just like, it was, was it still essentially you, you still had to get the ball into the other, yeah, to the other, yeah, yeah. To, into the yeah, and score that because I, 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 I grew up hearing about murder ball that my dad played at school, and I think my dad's 10, 10 years older than you, maybe Andy, maybe a little bit more. Um, but he went to school in Toxteth in Liverpool. <laughs> around the Toxteth riots, so okay. it, it's it's a rough, rough area of a rough part of the country at a rough time. Yeah, and he he always described murder ball to me as that it, it, there was a hay bale at either end, and it was played with a medicine ball, and the um, the aim of the game was, you know, two teams, and you have to get the ball into the opposition's net or the, yeah. to to the hay bale. Um, if the ball happened to have a member of the opposing team still attached to it, then that was not really a problem. You just had to get that ball into the other into side. The, into and the it, side it, yeah. That was basically the rule. There wasn't anything like don't hit or anything like that. So quite often they would just pick up the ball in one arm and a person in the other and kind of just force their way through, you know. I mean, so it sounds amazing, like two very different takes on the same game. The amazing part to me is uh, you mentioned you had the wall equipment unfolded. Yeah, it was all out. Never, it was all out. never seen, never seen that before at mine. Like that, it, <laughs> yeah, it, was, I mean, it was basically wall decoration. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it made. I mean, it made it more interesting, shall we say? I genuinely um, didn't even know it could unfold. I don't, I don't yeah. know why any school has them. <laughs> I think we only ever used them maybe two or three times. Yeah, we didn't have them out very often. We we occasionally had kind of you know, had them out and we'd be all the time sort of doing gymnastics. You'd have like circuit, it'd be like circuit training, but with the mm. gym bit. So there'd be a yeah, you'd have a bit where you're climbing the rope or not, in my case. Um because <laughs> they didn't teach you how to actually climb the rope, they just expected you to either know it or be strong enough to just go up hand over hand. Um yeah. I certainly no wasn't one that is then. Uh yeah, and they'd have, yeah, you'd be going up and they'd have, because the benches go over, the benches are designed, you know, the kind of classic gym benches. They've got these little hooks on the side. So they're designed to go mm. onto the ramp so you can get these little ramps as well. And yeah, just, yeah, no, it was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like PE and games at all. But I did like, I did quite like that murder ball. Partly, I think, I, I think it's a, it's a good memory just because I did manage to score once. And I think that's because no one on the other team 
believe that I might have actually had the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of sort of memory of it. It is just like, yeah. I mean, I I hated PE at school as well. Uh, like yourself, always the last one picked. I just wasn't good at sports, mm. and one day I went to the doctor and found out I had the most pointless like syndrome. I have Raynaud's syndrome, which like messes up your hands when it gets a bit cold. Yeah, it shouldn't affect anything in PE at all. But <laughs> I got that doctor's note. I made sure I made sure I sat out of every PE lesson after that point. <laughs> think like the last two or three years of school i just didn't have to go and i i abused the hell out of the most benign thing i ever had did you do the whole oh i've just been holding a cold drink for a while so yeah i can't do it now my hands have turned blue sir like oh no look i can't i can't move like what what what, yeah i took welsh for two years to get out of games because uh, we had P- we had PE and games, and I, c- I could opt to take Welsh, and that would get me out of the games side of things. So I only had to do PE once a week, uh, which was great. Uh, and then in uh, the town I grew up in, we had year seven, eight, and nine, the first three years of secondary school in one school, and there were two of these junior comprehensives, as they were known. And then in year sort of ten, fourth year, as it was in my day we went then up to the senior comprehensive to sort of take our options and then go on to a levels and at that point i'd i think i only did one p or games lesson there because i'd been i had some knee issues i literally had sometimes be just walking along i'd suddenly just fall over there was something i think it was just due to kind of growth the different rates of growth in sort of different parts of my knee and leg and there wasn't quite enough strength sure, just because you, you hated games i i did hate games as well yeah um but yeah occasionally i, I was genuinely kind of you know, sometimes just literally falling over um it happened on the stairs once which was a bit scary so i kind of then got given this this basically medical note to get out of games completely and pe unfortunately it meant that i had to go and do english because I wasn't allowed to have a gap on my timetable. So I ended up doing twice as much English as anyone else. I had full two sets of English, which meant I did, instead of doing kind of two Shakespeare plays over the two years, I did four. And I did two plays instead of one. And I did two horrible literature books instead of one. So it was kind of like, it did give me more choice when I actually got to the exams. And you kind of like, Right about this, yeah, because the, the questions on the about Shakespeare are fairly generic. Um, they meant I could, I had a bit more choice with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was much more preferable to doing games. Um, <laughs> then I discovered then I discovered other sports like rock climbing and badminton, mm-hmm. which we didn't do in in games. So it's like ooh, something I can actually do. My, my dad tell my dad bumped into one of the PE teachers a few years after I'd gone to university and uh, the PE teacher sort of asked me how he was getting on. He said, oh, yeah, he's really into climbing and yeah, outdoor sports now. And he was just like, are we talking about the same kid? <laughs> that's, how bad, that's how bad the PE teacher thought I was with this kind of regards to sport and stuff. Mm. Kind 
they, they weren't about encouraging people to try sport in those days. Yeah, everybody has to run, and that's it. Yeah, and you've got to do football, and you've got to do rugby and cricket. Mm. You know, don't possibly try and find sports that actually other people might be good at. Yeah, or... See, it's I not going to it's not going to shock you to find out that I, I ended up doing like rugby and shot put and discus. <laughs> well, I tell you what, discus is the one that annoys me. Discus is one that really, really annoys me. When I was in year nine, uh, so seventy two in the PE, we had to do discus one set one session. Yeah, it was the summer. It was the sort of track and field sort of time of year, and so we had. <laughs> We'd had a lesson on javelin, which I wasn't very good at particularly. Oh, I like javelin. I did like it. Yeah, I liked javelin. I wasn't too bad. But I didn't have really have the strength for it. Mm. And then we had another lesson where we did discus. Now, I think I've talked about this before. My hands were as big as they are now when I was sort of, yeah, 13, 14 years old. And so they were actually big enough. I mean, I had the largest hand span of anyone in my year group. Um, yeah, nine inch wide. And I could literally get my hands around because I think it was a it wasn't a full size men's discus. It was a youth discus. So mm. my hands would actually fit on the discus correctly with my fingers over the edge. So I could actually release it. So I didn't have the strength for like the champion boy who did throw further than me. But I threw second furthest with the discus. And by a considerable way compared to quite a lot of the other people, purely out of technique and because my hands were big enough and so i could release it properly so it actually flew rather than just being thrown and it was just a case of oh pews fluked it <laughs> and then when it got to sports day and discus was one of the kind of sports in the sort of for the sports day for the kind of different houses nope not gonna let me have a go at it but just like rather than going oh we found something he can do yeah mm. it's always last or last but one in the cross country He's crap at rugby and football, uh, particularly if he's got to take his glasses off. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't throw a cricket ball very far. But oh, look, he can throw a discus because he's got huge hands. Like no, it's <laughs> like fluke. Like, I, I did have I did have one kind of weird experience in PE, which um, so when I was younger, I I did just like kind of walking around random places. Like I'd walk miles just to go explore things and it just meant that i built up a lot of stamina without really realizing just mm. just just up just just things that i enjoy so uh it came time that we did cross country it was basically like 10 times around a massive field and you know i started i just couldn't be bothered i just do like a leisurely jog all the way around which it turns out is the way you're supposed to do it. Everyone else is trying to sprint ahead. They like lap me twice. When it comes to the end of it, though, I'm like at the front of the pack just because I haven't died trying to sprint my way at the beginning. It was kind of a weird one. And uh, yeah, it's just like yourself, though. It just kind of became this thing of, well, he's crap at other sports. He probably just cheated somehow at running for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you say about. I mean, I, I took up. I mean, I was in scouts, but then I took up kind of hill walking properly when I was probably sixteen, 
Oh, he didn't scout him. Yeah, he probably he'll walk in and backpacking and stuff. But actually, kind of, sort of took it up more as a, more of a hobby, kind of going every weekend, kind of sort of from sort of sixteen, seventeen. And yeah, I mean, even now with my bad back, I could still walk my kids. Mm. Yeah, I can't go it's fast. Muscle memory, mate. Yeah, and it's and it, it's technique as much as anything as well. Yeah, particularly mm. kind of over rough terrain. I can't do the. I mean, I used to be able to sort of leap from moongrass to moongrass over the Brecon beacons. I couldn't do that now, but yeah, it 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 certainly it was something that suited me, kind of physically. Never been great at running, but yeah, stick a stick a rucksack on, yeah, fifty sixty pound rucksack, and I could still walk so, thirty forty miles. That's interesting. You oh, said I, couldn't that. Just... I couldn't I couldn't do the I couldn't do the that weighted rucksack now. But, I, I yeah, find yeah. that, like, if I've got a, a rucksack on, like, if when I've been off on my travels and things, if I've got the rucksack on, I'm fine. I walk all over the place, rucksack on and off all day, trains, planes, and automobiles, perfectly fine. Walk around a supermarket for half an hour, and my back is absolutely in tatters. Whether that's think... whether that's pushing a trolley or whether that's just walking. Or carrying a basket. I think it's a lot to do with your own mood as well. Like, no one likes shopping at the supermarket, so you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna you're gonna be all hunched over. You're gonna be just dragging it out, and you just want to get it done. But when you're traveling around, it's like you, your attention's always on something new. Like you've got mm. somewhere you want to go. You're excited, probably excited, depending on where you're going um so i mean your your stature will change as well with it and yeah i mean just just carrying something on your back as well probably forces you to stand a bit more upright mm. so there's there's probably a fair bit floor. going into that yeah potentially the floor as well yeah if, yeah. if you yeah the hard floor of a supermarket isn't even not the same as the kind of hard floor of a tarmac road or pavement yeah there is a difference in those true um, that's true stopping and starting maybe and the people, yeah, I was just like, people you know, like yeah. general public. It just shouldn't be loud. <laughs> I was wondering, given the time, are we are we at a point of introducing our guest? We probably we should. Yeah. Sure. Century, yeah. Well, I was just thinking because you know, kind of, we we know Mike is a very, very, very skilled individual, and we've we've waffled for an hour and ten minutes about everything. But the stuff that we absolutely adore him for. <laughs> yeah, would you, like to, would you like to introduce yourself, Mike? What What do you do? What do you do uh, kind of professionally, and what could, what do you do, kind of maker wise? Uh, okay, I have to narrow some of that down because I'll do a bit of everything. Um, <laughs> so professionally, um, I'm a game artist. Um, work on a game called adopt me it's very much a kid's game so if you if adults are playing it it's a little bit weird so i understand if you don't play i've never heard of it um but outside of work uh it's basically making anything that looks a bit interesting to me um i'll do a lot of kind of prop building stuff um there's some of it kind of behind me there Mm -hmm. um i've been doing that for a couple of years now um otherwise it's uh, a little bit of woodwork whenever i can at the moment i'm building up a camper van out of an old ambulance 
and uh oh god well, doing a very good job of it i mean we've jamie mm -hmm. and i have seen probably more pictures than you show uh kind of on instagram and uh, probably yeah racking job on it yeah i try to show a bit of mostly tidied pictures on instagram uh the the van <laughs> is always in a state of it'll spend several weeks looking just like a building site would look it's an absolute mess then i'll tidy it up and then the next day it's just going to be a mess again when i start building whatever's next in there mm -hmm. it's so hard to keep a building site clean <laughs> yeah so true um but yeah true. it's it, it's basically or well, usually anything that i find interesting i'll just go and have a go at um mm. Like right now, the camper van build is taking up so much of my time. There's not a lot of time for trying other things. But even so, I'll still kind of put the odd small thing in there. Um, I mean, very recently, I've wanted to have a go at just making like a little portable wind, like a turbine generator, a little simple thing, just 3D print, shove it on a motor. And then I wondered if I could build a motor instead of just <laughs> buying a cheap one. <laughs> and now I've learned I've been learning how to do that and it's it's just kind of that's just kind of my process usually if it's something mm. something new I'll just keep diving more and more into something until I know how to build it from scratch yeah yeah I mean, that's you know I know it annoys the crap out of you because of the same iconic build that I always flag as the thing to introduce you by it, it very it very much plays into into you know what i love but um the ds9 that you made is just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal yeah it had me in in awe because you took us through that whole process you know and it, you, you've got an absolutely ridiculous 3d printer anyway but the fact that you from scratch completely modeled the entire thing specifically for you to 3d print assemble paint fill it full of fiber optics and light the whole thing up and for it to be not far off the actual size of ds9 you know? <laughs> i wouldn't say it's quite that i mean the the real one i think is like 12 feet wide or something it's huge yes, sir. <laughs> but it's it's still the biggest one you can get outside of the actual like on-set model which i'm still pretty <laughs> proud of it's because it's absolutely something to be proud of it is just phenomenal i mean we've you know andy and i've known you a couple of years now you know in, yeah. in that kind of thing and and the stuff that you make anyway is just obviously it, it plays into the stuff that you do professionally um and that that kind of applying those skills for fun but just annoyingly talented at times mate <laughs> uh well thank you i mean it, it, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of trial and error in there i mean i am fortunate enough to have kind of I've learned a lot of industry, like game industry skills that happen to play really well into 3D printing and designing new props. Yeah. And um, I've always got a thing of, 
if I'm going to print something, it's going to be like it's going to be from scratch designed. Or I mean, it's going to be a copy of someone else's uh, stuff from another game quite often. But the models and how it all fits together, the print files, it's always going to be from scratch designed by mm. myself. And it's it's always a challenge there that I like. Like the uh, DS9 model was basically straight up a challenge of how do I make this structurally sound and light up? Because mm. that that thing is the like the 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 uh, set model has a massive kind of steel frame inside it, and even then I'm pretty sure it wobbles if you touch it. <laughs> so trying to make this little plastic one. Uh, that I can assemble in bits and it doesn't sag and break apart was it took so many try, try so many tries to get it right. And you, you say little plastic one. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's what, uh, nearly 800 mil diameter or something like that? Uh, about 600. Well, it's big. It's, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it will, it took like, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the kind of trial and errors that I did when I was like, it took about a year of just, just going back and forth on it just to get something that worked. Yeah. And it's just like these kind of challenges, like I love them. I really hate them as well, but I love them. And just because when you get to the end of it, you just, it's just this amazing thing no one else has managed to do yet. Mm. And then you can just show everyone exactly how you did it. Um, I mean, that that was what we loved seeing that seeing that process and seeing that progression of it, and you know the the challenges that you are facing, and, and and then your creative processing in, like you said, the trial and error, and and trying to look at how it might be done in other ways, and if you can improve on that. It's... I mean, the funny thing is, even after I finished it, I immediately figured out another way to do it better. <laughs> and I'm holding off at least a couple of years before I do that. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep making better and better DS9s. And I have other things I want to make too. Um, I mean, the uh, the Doom Crucible, the big glowy sword, I'm still working on that one. And I mean, the last time I'd done the blade for that, like I've kind of figured it out 90% to get it working really nice. But I never found the right resin for it to keep the blade nice and strong but thin. Nor nor did I find a good light up solution until recently when kind of the little noodle LED things became more yeah. widely available. Mm -hmm. But as as much as I got some ideas I really want to go ahead with with that, my workshop is still just storage for the camper van materials and I cannot <laughs> get the space for it right now. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that, that that kind of. I always need more space. It's just an infinite problem. Like mm -hmm. every time I make more space, it's just immediately filled with something else. Flat surface syndrome, isn't it? Oh, cause you man, I, I, I just imagine having a big space, a, a good size big space. Mm. I mean, I I'd go to the men's shed and we've got a, yeah, a, it's a good sized workshop. 
be better if it's just for me but yeah you have to share but yeah it's, it's 23 feet by 12 feet the main workshop we've got a separate room for the lathe and so it's 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 not a bad size workshop yeah it, it's a it's an obtainable size workshop in sort of the uk mm. i, I can um, see it filling up pretty quick though well it's i mean this with the problem we have have actually yeah it, it is actually quite full i mean we've got you know two workbenches and we've got a lot of kind of power tools which are on mobile benches so technically three workbenches i suppose um and we're storing wood in there and so it, it, pretty soon it does kind of fill up i mean i think it'd possibly be a bit easier if it was just my own workshop uh, or one person's workshop because then you could kind of go right i'll put the we can actually put places uh, tools in places and leave them there Mm. not have to worry about maintaining maybe quite the amount of workspace for other people i mean that's that's kind of one of the big um issues that i keep having with the with building that the van is like i've got kind of a little portable bench more like an unfold it set it up kind of thing that i'll bring outside the workshop just so i can cut the big sheets of plywood get all the things out that i need but the most annoying thing is at the end of the day when i'm all exhausted i have to pack it all up again yeah. and it's just oh it's so annoying i'd love a workshop yeah. where i can just leave things out and just come back yeah. to them in the morning exactly where they were i think yeah, i need it, it like sim style where you can just you have a big expanse of of property and area to work on and then when you run out of space you just create just click a few buttons and create the next <laughs> next property to just expand into that would be that would be the dream <laughs> or you know when uh what when these house printers become more commercially available just get yeah. the obvious version and just every time you need a bit more space just print another bit of shed yeah exactly it's like oh i'm at, I'm at about 80 percent now i better start the start the printer up for for the next workshop yeah but like like this time next month i'll have another what 12 feet squared would be good enough <laughs> Well, what should be a, my wife likes to look at kind of properties just kind of around the country just to sort of see what it is yeah it's like yeah rather than just sometimes just doom scrolling on facebook or all the like mm. and so she'll be kind of scrolling through kind of you know right move and a few years ago she kind of sort of found this property that was like really nice property over in i think it was Carmarthenshire, and it was a it was a bungalow a reasonable sized garden and it had a 40 by 20 metal shed at kind of one end of the garden or off to one side of the house and it was like and it was it was already sold subject to contract otherwise i think we might have been putting up sort of like kind of a big in <laughs> uh, and it was just i mean it was just grand and i was just thinking you know the number of times over the years like yeah you go to bed and you kind of can't quite sleep you know, i sort of think back to that problem you think what would i do with 40 by 20 how would i dish it out yeah have a little office for sort of clean stuff that maybe properly insulated so nice and warm uh for a computer and you know just nice little office space although there was actually a room that could be an office in the house um but then kind of the yeah, separate area for metal separate area for wood separate area for finishing so yeah mm. yeah get that's free zone and yeah actually kind of have yeah big storage the m m6 the jamie hanneman uh sort of place that they M5. did m5 yeah they had those kind of big 
racks on the wall full of clear boxes just full of stuff mm. you have a set of that a set of nice racks for wood on the side somewhere and yeah just space for kind of you know, two or three workbenches she got a table saw with an outfeed table straight off it and an assembly table somewhere else but then you've got another table so if you're doing two or three projects yeah you can just leave a project hang there. on a minute hang on a minute Andy. what you're saying is you, you want to be frank howarth when you grow up yeah yeah <laughs> with with a metal shop and so you want to be stop. has he got a you want to be jimmy to rest when you grow up yeah that's probably more like it yeah <laughs> And I've, have you seen uh, Adam Savage's workshop? Yeah, that, yeah. that is one that, like, I just I weep over it every time he shows it. Yeah, it's just, whole... it just just seems like there's some more that you haven't seen yet. Every time he starts a new episode on something, it's like just just how much do you have here, man? Like, I love and he wants more. He'd, he'd he'd love more space, but he's so established there, I think, and it's. I think oh yeah, yeah. A few times he's got it. He's got quite a good rent on it. Um, mm. So I think, but I love that whole kind of thing of. I mean, he's got everything he needs. He's got absolutely everything he needs, pretty yeah. much. Um, but he's got yeah. He kind of sometimes when he sort of shows, he turns around. Yeah, you've got that. He's got that separate room which he can use as a where they did used to do the podcast from. And but he's got he's got things. He's got kind of space just as a height to display things that have been made. Oh, it's the height that gets me because like when I when I made my workshop now, it's like one thing I really wish I'd have done is gotten so I've got like the uh, kind of I don't know what you call it, like a gabled roof with the two things. Mm -hmm. I really wish I'd have gotten either a flat roof or the just the one one pitch roof, just so I had the extra height, just to put some extra shelves up there because Oh, so, yeah. yeah and it's just you know it's it's a hindsight thing like i still like what i have it just it could have been better i i did the same i i did a like a i suppose it's a, a technically a lean to or something like that. it was it's a freestanding post frame type thing yeah. it's just a just a roof um but i did it is it's like two two sections two flat roofs well not flat you know what i mean angled roofs but um both going in the same way because it's such a long thin space and i thought oh no I, I, i'll save a little bit of money uh, this should be high enough i won't go for the extra 300 mil or the extra 600 mil on top of the beams so i don't need that extra extra bit of height and as soon as i put the roof on i was like oh yeah should have spent the extra 100 quid that it would have cost me to go 600 mil higher or something like that and i know i'm gonna to have to tear it down at some point take all the panels off and replace them with different panels so i know i'm gonna tweak it and redesign it or probably just completely rebuild it i mean um oh, recently i've been looking at other houses as well and uh there's one that we went to view about a week ago and like half the things I'm looking for in the house are just like barns, big sheds, anything I can just mm -hmm. use. Now this place, the listing for it on Rightmove was missing half the stuff it had. So when I kept going, when I went to the place, it's like, I just thought it had like a garage and a loft. And I just thought, you know what, garage is a workshop, loft, 
the printer space sorted. Mm. Yeah. So you go there, okay, you've got the garage, you've got the room behind the garage, which wasn't ever mentioned. You've got a second loft above the garage. Then you've got <laughs> like this 12 by 12 shed, fully insulated, plumbed and wired up back in, at the back of the garden. Then you've got like this 20 by 40 barn with another shed behind it. It's like, I, I'd never run out of, well, I mean, I'd survive about a year before I ran out of space with all this, but <laughs> like, this is the kind of stuff I want to know before I look at a house and write that yeah. down on the listing. Like, mm. but oh, I fell in love with the place and uh, now it's like seriously considering how much I want to sell my soul to the banks just to buy it. <laughs> I mean, there's, is it, it going to be a forever workshop? That's the thing. I mean, I mean forever home, that's what people say, isn't it? That's, that's what normal people go for. Yeah, I mean, there was some house attached to it as well. Uh, <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed all right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's basically like the end game kind of workshop area that I'm envisioning now. I know that if I'm there and, you know, a year later, I'm, I'm just going to be thinking like, could I put a shipping container in the back of the well and just store more <laughs> things in there? struggle is real it's, it's, it's just always going to be more space it's it's never i'm never going to be satisfied but at some point i have to figure out that maybe a barn a garage two lofts and two sheds is maybe enough <laughs> it's, it's a good start it's, it's a good start it is yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good start and on that point, perhaps we should um, just quickly segue into kind of what's grabbing our attention and then move on to the, uh, the start the after show. Not a bad show. Yeah. So kind of, yeah, attention grabbers. I mean, it sounds like, you know, looking for a house and other things and your van is grabbing your attention. Is there anything else that's been grabbing your attention lately, Mike? Oh, um, geez, that's an on-the-spot question. <laughs> Yeah, I did probably appreciate that. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Any particular thing you've seen lately or done? I mean, yeah, the van and the house hunting. I mean, that's more than enough too. I mean, the van has kind of been uh, the uh, my main focus for or well, since February when I actually bought the thing. Um, mm. It's nearly finished as well now, so I'm kind of happy with that. Well, I say finished. It's nearly like first version finished. It's never going to be finished. <laughs> <laughs> nearly on the roadable it's nearly ready to take out and you know just for the first road trips and hopefully nice. hopefully for a nice uh christmas road trip uh, around europe which it was the original plan um uh but yeah house hunting van um outside of that though i don't really know off the top of my yeah, head. That's all right. That sounds right. That's enough. Jamie, yeah. what about you? What's been driving your attention? Um, I've been playing around with stuff recently. I finally got my um, vinyl cutter back up and running, so I've been playing around with that a little bit and playing at pulling 3D printers apart and just trying to catch up on a little bit of not work, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Playing with some networky stuff and yeah, just trying to trying to decompress a little bit. But I definitely want to urge people towards make it safe. I have a friend, um, just you know, rocking the make it safe 
t-shirt so go buy one mm. how about you andy what's been growing your attention me uh lately it's a look obviously things like the uh mentioned we've been doing quite a bit there lately uh tinkerage carrying on tidying tinkerage almost there i need a big final push i've got i just can't seem to get past the full solo workbench that i've got um so i kind of i need to sort that out but i've been getting there's been a few hints on instagram i've bought a new few new tools lately um yeah. i think i talked a little bit about in after show last week and i'm not going to give anything else away uh i've recorded a couple of uh unboxing videos which i need to edit uh got a couple more tools since then as well uh so that's quite exciting uh something caught my uh, our friend duncan shared a video i think it was duncan or was it you it might have been you jamie i think it was duncan shared a video with us yesterday of uh string art something automated yeah. string art uh by mm. a, a, a channel called paul mh and uh it's really quite kind of interesting kind of makes me feel quite stupid when you sort of see the amount of depth and detail and the process of uh <laughs> kind of taking something it uh, actually sort of how do you how do you make a 3d printer like device that will actually move mm -hmm. string around and then kind of actually kind of took it to the point of putting nails in so you've got this head moving around putting nails in then it's putting string around and yeah not getting caught up on itself super, the whole process. super super clever yeah uh he also has playing been playing around with uh vacuum chambers um mm. which is really quite interesting from a physics point of view so yeah that, uh, i'll post the link in the uh description probably tomorrow and yeah for definitely a channel if you're into kind of geeking around sciencey 3d printery type inventing stuff definitely a channel to take a look at looks like he's, he's been quite active on youtube for quite a long time that's taken a few mm. sort, of, sort of gaps it looks to be getting back into it um so maybe there'll be more i don't know it's uh yeah very very interesting yeah. mike where's the best where's the best place people do to find some of your work uh right well there's i've got uh twitter and instagram would be the two best ones so twitter would be uh that guy mike i don't remember where the underscore is on that one um <laughs> and uh instagram is mike make stuff um i'm really rubbish at instagram uh but <laughs> you'll find a lot you find a lot less of my rants on instagram than you will on twitter and a lot more you know work in progress there yeah um but twitter is just kind of i'm gonna be doing a lot of shit posting and stuff there but you'll yeah, also sometimes so. catch my things that's Twitter's for. Yeah. yeah. Well, there'll, be, mean, there'll be links to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, I definitely urge people to check out your Instagram anyway, just for just some of the ridiculous props, including DS9, which, you know, obviously personal favorite. See, I, I really love going around uh, Maker Central last time and just every now and then just talk <laughs> to someone. It's like, you're the guy who did the DS9. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Jamie's been here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sorry, not sorry. 
Uh, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, that's not, you weren't the only person doing that kind of thing. Um, when I went, like, I went around doing like the meet and greets with a few of the other uh, people around there. Um, mm. So, like, frankly, Bill was one of them, and like, I'd learned like his his videos are where I learned some of my earliest prop building and printing stuff. Yeah. So I went up just to meet him. I had a little chat with him. It's like, you're the guy who did the thing. It's like. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, cool. You remember? Like, that's, that's amazing. And uh, yeah. it's just like that's that's kind of a really nice feeling when that happens. Mm. Yeah. Well, we can talk a bit more about that in the after show, which is available for patrons. Patreon.com make slash makers waffle. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear more of chats, then that's beautifully the, uh, that's the shown. Well, yeah, I've been learning from the best. <laughs> learning from the best. Not sure who that is, but I've been learning from them. So it we sound like it's at should... least one podcast with Rasmus in it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, that we yeah, setting up shop and and two thirds focused. Yeah, they, they do a good job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they do indeed. So we we shall say good night to the the main listeners uh, now, and uh, we shall dip over to the after show so bye folks cheers folks